Hello, hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Dreamers Succeed podcast. Again, folks, why I call them episodes is because today we have an amazing, epic guest who, for those of you who do not know him yet, you're going to totally fall in love with what he's all about. And if you do know him, you're going to be like, wow, Berta has him on the podcast. So he just super upped my coolness ratio here, but I want to introduce you to Joel Goldberg. He spent nearly 25 years in television. He's uh, really focused on developing and maintaining relationships with professional athletes, coaches, and teams during that time. He is has added because he's been sought after, uh, is now a very powerful public speaker and presenter. He's always talking with groups about the networking principles that really he learned from his experience of interviewing successful icons. So he brings a, a really strong, powerful message of the importance of personal perseverance um, that he tailors to each audience. But we're going to talk a little bit about his personal journey and how that that having that fortitude of perseverance has really helped him navigate through this time and we're going to learn a lot from him about that today so welcome joel berta good to be with you <laughs> i've been i've been excited about this because and like you you know i do a lot of podcasts whether it be my own or others but i'm excited to be on with you because i think you and i have very similar energy mm -hmm. and so that's always you know you 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 raise your energy if you need to bring it up for certain people or sometimes you need to calm it down. But I think you and I are very much on the same wavelength. So I'm, I'm excited to be with you today. I'm excited uh -huh. to, to be here with your audience. And thank you so much for having me. Yay! So happy. So happy, Joel. So how are things? How are things at home? How's the weather? You guys cooling down already? Yeah, things are good. You know, we're a little bit different than you other than in the summer where mm. it's just, you know, ridiculously hot and humid. Yeah. But we in the certainly throughout the midwest and in kansas city where i'm at it, it can change by the day so you know last week it was down in the 40s or maybe we even were in the 30s at some point i don't wow. remember we had to turn the heat on and then this week it's closer to 70. so nice. I, you know you, you can't figure it out but we'll take the 70s as long as we can get them I love it. <laughs> and it's not like where i grew up in chicago where where you're dealing with you know below freezing type of stuff it's right. not too bad here good 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 so no complaining so no. so joe let's talk a little bit about this crazy crazy year and and i know that you've that you've really navigated well through some some major uh changes major major shifting issues that have happened especially given your your industry and the field that you've been in for so long and and i just you know i have the backstory so i i want you to just share what you will because i think knowing how you've been able to manage everything is really full that story is really full of great lessons for all of us yeah and you know i don't know that i had the playbook so to speak when the pandemic started and who did really i mean mm -hmm. I, I know that there are some companies that had actually had pandemic plans wow. and i think you're supposed to do all that <laughs> and i think all of us no matter what we do will be better prepared if it ever happens again mm -hmm. hopefully it doesn't happen again for another hundred years but you, you know life happens disruption happens and disruption is never planned mm -hmm. so whether that means 
uh, September 11th, 9-11, whether that means some kind of a hurricane down in your world or mm-hmm. where we're at tornadoes or an mm-hmm. earthquake out west or whatever it might be or a sudden you know, death of a business partner or a loved one, mm-hmm. disruption happens. And I think that to me, one of the lessons I learned here, two lessons really, one is that you know, however prepared you are or you're not, you have to react to the situation and you can't just stop. And so you have to be able to move forward. Mm-hmm. And then I think that was the biggest lesson. And then I think that the second part of that and it sort of goes hand in hand is just, is just the resiliency of the human spirit. I mean, we, by nature, are resilient. Sometimes mm-hmm. you have to pick yourself up to do it. Sometimes you have to lean on others. And I know for me personally, as a guy that broadcasts baseball as my quote unquote day job, it's really a night job, is that um, I, I work six months a year with that. And it's, you, you know, you're working six to seven days a week, sometimes 20 days in a row, and you get paid for that work. And so it's a year's worth of salary in six months. Mm-hmm. And that suddenly went away like that, you know, wow. and, and I was like many Americans or many people around the world out of work. Mm-hmm. And I survived, you know, it's and still surviving. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that there are survival aspects of this. And by survive, I don't mean just hold your breath and wait. I mean, survive is like, do what you have to do to keep pushing forward. And that's really what I learned out of this. That's amazing. And I love the way that you put it, especially when when the bottom seems to have fallen out of so many industries. And, and yours is a, a prime example of that. Now, Joel, for for I think for for people who and and I always say I I feel like we were on there was a lot of black and white here not a lot of gray area it was like either you were oh my god I'm hiding my head in the sand and waiting for all of this to pass or you're getting full blown uh, action and service mode I think like you did um, what do you think was the difference of you being able to say you know what I'm going to uh, like you said not necessarily pivot but I'm going to add to what I already had based on the gifts and talents that you had that maybe were unexplored or didn't need to be tapped before? Yeah, that's a great question and a really good observation too, because I think that we all have, and I hadn't thought about it quite this way, but you know, you're, you're challenging me, Berta, to, to think along these lines. It's good mm-hmm. that I think we all have untapped potential or avenues Mm -hmm. that we haven't explored either because we're afraid of them or we're unaware of them or we're not interested in them. Mm -hmm. And so you you sparked that in my mind, because as you said that, it made me think a little bit about a piece of advice I received back in early April from a, a local CEO. And he had said to me, whatever you do, just survive till July. And I don't know why he said July, because early on baseball had said, you know, we're going to postpone for a couple of weeks, or maybe we'll be back by late May. Mm -hmm. And it ended up being, I think, July 24th that we came back. So, you know, no paycheck, no games, no nothing, April, May, June, and most of July. It was really four four months. I mean, we were supposed to start, I think, March 26th this year. And so I don't know why he said July, if just in his mind, my guess is he was thinking, okay, even if it's a couple months, just plan on four. Right. And so survival, then at that point, it was like, okay, what else can I do? And look, survival, I I don't want to relate everything to broadcasting because quite frankly, most people aren't broadcasters. Mm -hmm. It is a 
higher profile, even if people outside of Kansas City don't know me, it is a higher profile job wherever you're at. In the small town that I started in, people knew who I was, even if right. it was a few thousand people. But it's it's oftentimes a misunderstood profession because people just see what you're doing on TV and they don't know everything that goes behind the scenes. And so it can be harder to relate to, but it's no different than any other profession. You're, you get knocked down, you got to get back up. And look, I was able to, to leverage some of the other talents or abilities that I had through broadcasting to be able to stay on my feet. But if those avenues weren't there, I would have gone and done something else. Mm -hmm. I, I would have pivoted to a different profession but whatever survival to me means do whatever it takes to keep to, to, to stay afloat. Right. And, but I think that one of the keys to that survival also means that if you can leverage those talents, if you can go out there and do other things, you might actually come out ahead. And so I really doubled down, tripled down and even more quadrupled mm -hmm. down on just everything that I knew how to do. And I will say this, and I, I know it's true. I mean, there's no way to quantify it. I don't think that I have worked as hard as I did for the four months that I was out of baseball since I was first starting in television 25, 26 years before that when wow. you were young and you had no other way and that's how you were trying to climb the ranks. Mm -hmm. And so I sort of joked that I was trying to outwork the pandemic. I was trying to outwork the virus. I don't mean that in a health standpoint. Mm -hmm. And I think it. it the, the other thing to that too is I am finding that I'm getting more results right now than maybe I expected. And I'm not having to work too hard on that. And that's because it's all a product of the work that was put in April, May, June, and July. Mm -hmm. It's a reminder that the work we put in today, if it's done right, may not pay off today, but it could pay off tomorrow. Right. And how and the importance of planting those seeds, Joel. And I'm glad yes. that you mentioned that because it's not only and listen, it, it's it's even more than yes, we we have to survive. But but how do we really double down, like you said, double, triple, quadruple down, so that we're not only surviving but we're thriving? And to have really been able to almost reinvent a talent, a gift that you had, and been able to turn it into something that is so highly sought after. You're putting yourself in a position of, of, of really leading the charge for, for these organizations that now need a different way of doing it, need someone to come in and breathe life into, into this, this shift or this, this new now, like you said, of, of now what do we do? And and with the ease, and I say the ease with which I know it's probably long hours and, and a lot of uh, creative juices flowing, um, the ease with which you were able to create something so powerful that is really revolutionizing the culture of these organizations that you're working with. And I, I think that with all of this comes new perspective. And so you're humbled by it. We've all mm -hmm. been humbled by this in Absolutely. some form or another. I mean, I, I've said over and over again that however this pandemic has affected you, no matter what profession you're in, mm -hmm. uh, and it doesn't even have to be from a business standpoint, it could be family, it could be mm -hmm. mental health, it could be, I, I mean, whatever it is, I don't care whether you're the wealthiest person in the world or you're homeless. Yeah. Everyone has been affected by this. I mean, the, the unfortunate part 
is that this country is so divided right now, and a lot of that's because of elections and politics mm-hmm. and all of that, that we have lost sight of the fact that in some form or another, we we are all in this together. Yes. And even yes. as people believe different things about this pandemic, I think there's a lot of misinformation out mm-hmm. there. I personally happen to think that we should probably trust the medical people because they know more than I do. I didn't study mm-hmm. medicine. Uh, at the same time, I also understand that we've got to do everything we can to keep working. And so we need to do that in a safe way and we need to, to have our economy. But I mean, that's that's a discussion that that I'm not here for. But I think that one of the things that I've learned is that if we can leverage this empathy, yes. if we can leverage understanding and walking in someone else's shoes, this person is upset because of a shutdown. Why are they upset? How is it affecting their lives? This person is really, really, really concerned about, you know, wearing a mask and, and, and scared to go out. Okay, let's learn more about it. Maybe they have that 80-year-old mother at home. and that. I mean, whatever it is, it's like, so to me, what I have seen is that this is a time to learn more about people. And when you start understanding more and sharing your own perspectives, I think it makes other people better. So this isn't simply me walking into a, an organization or a lot of most of it's virtual now and mm-hmm. saying, Hey, here's what you can do. It's also understanding um, and having the perspective of having done the same thing myself. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just, I think that there's never been a better time, no matter what we do to listen to people yeah. and, and to really walk in their shoes. It's, it's, it's there for the taking right now. And mm-hmm. people are willing to share those stories. Yes, absolutely. Joel. And I love that you mentioned that because I think one of the, one of the, the highlights of this, of this time has been that I've noticed that people who just got in full service mode from the beginning. And as you said, it's not just about, listen, this is what I can offer you. And this is what I can do for you. It's really listening to what they need. And because we don't know, we don't know what they're going through. We don't know what they're struggling with, not just people, but these organizations that we, that we're looking to work with and and are blessed to work with just everyone, a person walking down the street and you don't know, and you, and you're saying, Oh my God, they're driving in their car with the mask on and their windows are rolled up. Do they not remember they have the mask, but you don't know, like you said, you know, until last year, my mother and my mother-in-law both lived with us. And my mom was 84, but my mother-in-law was 99 years old. We wow. lost them both last year. But I'm thinking mm-hmm. if they had been here during this pandemic, I might not have let anyone in or out of this house. I might not even have ordered anything from Amazon. My perspective would have been completely different because of the circumstances. So I love that you said that, uh, the importance of, of bringing empathy into the equation. Because I think at the beginning, when everybody was scared, we saw a lot of that unification and then it just it just was was gone again. Right. I mean, I, I wish that we would. If you remember the togetherness and the way we rallied, this was the human spirit after September 11th. Yeah. And it wasn't like, well, you're Republican, you're Democrat, no. so I can't work with you. And it was like, you know, hey, we're we're going to do something as proud Americans yeah. to rally through this. And so that's what we need to do right now. And, you know, we'll see if that happens or not. But I'll get back to the fact that there, as much opportunity as there is for everyone to rally together here, there's there's opportunity for each of us individually to grow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what I've seen. And it's, look, it's not, 
It's not what it once was. It's different. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of sacrifices being made, mm -hmm. uh, whether that be financially, whether that be uh, in every way. I mean, you mm -hmm. know, we, we, we've had to change the way that we go about our lives, but that doesn't mean that you stop and you just have to find new paths and new ways. And, and you know, I, I talk to a lot of CEOs on a very regular basis. And, and I think the most common thing that I hear from them is let, let's make the best of this and not just Absolutely. make the best of it. Let's, let's adapt it to be something that we're good at. Let's mm -hmm. adapt this and create new norms because mm -hmm. it's counterproductive to sit there and say, oh, I can't wait till we get back to the way things were. Right. 2020 is the worst year ever. Like, like as if on January 1st, 2021, <laughs> we've washed our hands. Clean, that's it. Right. I mean, that, that's like <laughs> the old, um, I'm going to the gym January 1st. This is, this is when it, it starts. Yeah. Right. But you're probably going back to where you are. I'm guilty of that. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's not like we wipe our hands clean of this uh, on New Year's Eve. Uh, we, we have to take what we've learned and there will be elements that come back to us, but there'll also be a lot of elements that we learn from and that we, we make part of the way we go about things right now. And so mm -hmm. I, I find that those that are leaning in, the organizations that are doubling down on the way they treat their people mm -hmm. are the ones that are flourishing right now. And I, you know, I, I had a CEO of an HR firm tell me early on too. He said that there is, there's a mental equity being built right now. Yeah, People Absolutely. will remember how you treat them good or bad when all of this is over, Absolutely. whenever that is. The employee will remember how they were taken care of or not. Doesn't mm -hmm. mean they're leaving mm -hmm. or staying. But when a decision comes that they have another offer, they're gonna. It's gonna stick in their head mm -hmm. how they were treated. And that's not just true from a professional standpoint. That's true from a personal standpoint. We yeah. remember those that picked up the phone or texted to say, "Hey, how how's it going?" Mm -hmm. And and it leaves a mark. And and so that's when I talk about opportunity. That's what we have right now. It's never been easier to make an impact on someone's life with just the simplest of gestures. Amazing. Amazing. And, and so true. And, and, and the fact that people uh, remember, again, we're not, we're not keeping score or anything, but, but listen, it really is a great opportunity to, to even show people that you care. How many times do we take for granted that we, we didn't speak to someone for three or four months? You know, I have a, a friend that I, my mom, I just, it was just her, the anniversary of her passing. And I put something about her on Facebook and a, and a friend of mine, who's a good friend of mine, um, posted something and she, and I didn't even realize that she wasn't aware that my mom had passed and it's been a year. And she's very tearful. And then she called me and she put this, this little blurb on Facebook. And she says, you know, this is why I hate losing touch with people that I care about. And, and I feel like we've been in touch. I, for whatever reason, she just didn't know that. But I, but I think that that was a, a very big uh, eye opener for me because I'm very intentional about making sure that I'm always in contact and always touching base and always making sure that everything is okay. So many opportunities for us to be able to do that, right? With social media or with the ease of an email or just send a text. You don't have to get on the phone and have a long conversation, but really just so that they know that you care, like you're saying. And and it's no better time than the present for for us to have the excuse to show up that way for, for lack of a better word. 
the the manager of the Kansas City Royals, who just completed his first year, partially mm-hmm. here, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, I had reached out to him early in the pandemic just to see how he was doing. And, and he made a comment to me about something long. He said two things, and I, I use this line now, um, crediting him in a lot of my speeches. He said that the foundation of care leads to trust and opportunity. So, you know, you do build people sometimes say, well, how do you build trust? Mm-hmm. By, by, by caring for people yeah. in an authentic way. And so, you know, he was telling me that at that point, he was reaching out. I think the number was three. It was three or five. I think it was three. He would just reach out to three people every day. No ask. No, just just to touch base and see how they were doing. And, you know, I, I remember at one point I was like, I need to do that. And I, and I, I haven't succeeded at doing that in terms, in terms of a formula. But I've, I've thought about and remembered that concept on a regular basis. And I'll even go back further to when when my back was against the wall and, you know, I, 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 like I, I play the calm, cool customer on TV and there's not a whole lot that rattles me. I mean, when you've done mm-hmm. thousands and thousands of live television shows, it's like, you know, you've pretty much seen everything and you've, mm-hmm. you've navigated every technical difficulty or whatever gets thrown your way. But I was rattled for sure. And I remember early on, you know, back in March, just kind of reaching out to, I think in my mind, who were the, sort of heaviest hitters that I knew in my, you know, Rolodex, who, who, mm-hmm. who are the ones that had endless resources that maybe they can help me out. Mm-hmm. And I, and it's not that they didn't care, but I also quickly realized that it's not like they had this magic pill that could make everything better for me. Sure. They have money and they have resources and mm-hmm. you know, and actually I might be able to help them with some things, but I was sort of passively aggressive asking for help without actually saying, what can you do for me? And I very quickly realized, and I snapped out of it, that, like I said before, they're dealing with stuff too. Mm-hmm. And they might have more money or be in a better situation, but who's to say that that CEO isn't losing sleep every single night, just doing everything he can to keep his employees employed and to put food mm-hmm. on their tables and to move them home? Like So- Again, the lesson of you never know what someone else is going through. Mm-hmm. And I quickly shifted my mindset to instead of starting every conversation or going into every exchange with maybe this is the person that could help me, I flipped it around and said, how can I help them? Yeah. And I started offering free speeches mm-hmm. just quick. I mean, I didn't want to, I did not want to diminish or dilute what I'm doing, mm-hmm. but as I was pivoting to doing virtual I just started offering anyone that I'd done business with before a free 10 to 15 minute pick me up. Hey, if I could speak to your leadership team, if I could speak to your whole staff, whoever you want, if I can start a meeting for you, or if you want to bring me in for 10 to 15 minutes, I'll I'll do four or five slides and give them three quick messages of inspiration. I'm happy to do it free of charge, no ask. And almost every single company took me up on it. Ones that I figured would say, I don't need work good. Everyone took me up on it, and, and probably half of those within the, the following months ended up hiring me and bringing me back. And if they did, that was great. If they didn't, that was fine, too. But it enabled me, one, to reach out and get back on the radar. Mm-hmm. Two, it enabled me to start practicing this weird world of virtual because mm-hmm. it was that was strange for anyone, whether you're a speaker or just jumping on a Zoom call. Mm-hmm. and to get more comfortable and to get a feel for what what material was resonating and what wasn't so it ended up being a massive opportunity 
and it was one that didn't necessarily pay or or result in in a paycheck early on and that was okay that's beautiful that's beautiful and 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 everything about that is is exactly what we should all be doing okay e- even outside of a pandemic i think of course the pandemic yes. has given everybody an opportunity for that reach out and listen maybe you don't have it now but let's just go to town i i told all of my clients who are coaches themselves or speakers listen start just getting giving mode. I'm I'm not big on on giving stuff away but this is the time. People need it. People are home. People need the the distraction. People need the expertise. Just go out there and 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 give. Give and give and give and give. Forget about money right now. Uh that's not what the focus is. Just just go out there and serve. So and that as you've proven, Joel, and, and that's not why we do it. Like I said, we, we keep track that we're doing it. We're not keeping score on what's coming back. But at the same time, you're, you're, you're giving so much valuable information. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what you're seeing out there. And I know you work a lot with culture. And, and I know that you always have the, the, the analogies and, and the baseball and the sports metaphors, which, which are so brilliant and you can apply them so much. So you, I, I know that you do presentations around creating a game plan around the pandemic and presentations around the, the importance of, of that corporate culture being focused on creating a championship culture. What are you seeing out there that people need to hear now more than ever? Well, I, I think a few things, Berta. First off, you know, to me, the pandemic game plan that, that you mentioned that I refer to is, it, it's really a, it, it's a refocus or a focus on your culture. Mm-hmm. And because what I have found is that the companies that valued their culture were the ones are the ones that are hanging in there doing the best right now Mm -hmm. because your culture to me is your identity it's who you are it's the way you treat people and you know you you just sort of reference this too i mean this is a a reminder to us of the way we should be and so what i'm seeing is and it gets back to the whole mental equity thing Mm -hmm. is that those that are taking care of their people and investing in their people uh, the the ones that you know that culture is an everyday effort. Their their culture will never be a check a box type of thing. No, nope. no. Nope. You you don't check a box and say, okay, now we've finished up our culture. <laughs> let's move on to the next task. That all the new tasks and the the new projects and all that are are always going to keep changing. It's the culture that remains the same. Mm-hmm. And so, now with that said, what I'm hearing from a lot of uh, companies and leaders are concerns about it getting stale, about the mental health aspect mm-hmm. of things, people getting antsy, people want to get back to work, people are scared of getting back to work. And so I think that there's there's a lot of that element of just the fear out there and the unknown. But I think that it's, it's, it's so important right now, communication, and this is an obvious statement. Mm-hmm. I think that you need to over-exaggerate everything, and it has to come in an authentic way. But if you pride yourself on communicating, then communicate bigger. Communicate more often. Uh, make sure that you're not leaving anything uncertain. Make sure that you're letting people know what a great job they're doing. Make sure that, that, that they know that they have a voice. 
because this could be very isolating right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's get back to the Royals manager, Mike Matheny. And when I, when I had talked to him back in, I think it was April. And I said, how tough is this to have ended spring training? He was a new manager. He built all this trust and he was building these good relationships throughout February and March. And then it comes crashing down and everybody goes back home across the United States and back to the Dominican and, you know, and, and other places. And he said, I don't view this as a step backwards. I view this now as a greater opportunity as we're not busy strategizing games and watching film and all that stuff to just get to know people better. And so I think that that's been a a powerful message and one that the companies that pride themselves on taking care of their people have Mm -hmm. a greater opportunity to take care of their people. The companies that maybe, especially the big ones that didn't have a chance to sit there and talk to every single person every single day, maybe have uh, a better chance to be able to do that. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I, I think that's a big part of it. Um, you know, I was talking to a CEO the other day and he's got 7,500 people and it's a major insurance company around, around the world. And, you know, he obviously can't talk to every single one of those people, but he, he really just talked about doubling down on this culture and, and how every single interaction matters that every single interaction that you have every single day can leave an impact on people that's that's truly amazing and and really it it is it is just that and i think those those organizations i think a lot of these big companies have even uh shifted uh, much of their personal and professional development training dollars into the well-being and the wellness of of their employees who may feel isolated now uh, everybody's working remotely and how do we how do we just make sure that they are okay and i love the organizations as you said joel that are that are focusing on that really are thriving even throughout this pandemic so joel he, he, I, um, oh, yeah. real quick word sorry I, I was trying to look it up as we were talking because mm-hmm. I, I i jotted this down when i talked to the ceo um but but he had said this he said culture is really this combination of 10,000 interactions and how we interact with each other every single day. And the aggregate is the culture. So, I mean, you can fill in whatever wow. number, 10,000 or whatever that is, right. but right. Like that's part of your culture is, is how you treat people, what those interactions are like. Are you another one that he said to me uh, and I'll, I'll paraphrase and I'll look it up is that as a leader, he was talking about, I would rather be less interesting and more interested. Yes. And that's a reminder about listening. And mm-hmm. again, listening to your people and not just your people, your family, your neighbors, your mm-hmm. friends. And and when you do that, you certainly become more empathetic. Mm-hmm. You become more plugged in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all plugged in in a different way through all of our devices. I'm as guilty as anyone. And when we can push that stuff aside and actually focus on these conversations, mm-hmm that's where that trust in those relationships either begin to build or they, they solidify at the time where people need them. Yeah. And, and you talked about that, that care element and, and, and really just when people feel listened to, they feel cared about when, 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 when something that they say opens up an opportunity for us to be able to serve them, to help solve that problem or work around or navigate through that, uh, they feel, they feel, embraced and that's really what we want to do and you want to talk about building that no like and trust factor 
like that. It's, it's what you said at the very beginning, Joel, just, you know, let's show them that we care. And, and, and as a culture for an organization, extremely important. And they're going to remember, like you said, they're going to remember when all of this is over and the dust settles, they're going to remember uh, how, how they were supported by the organization. So I love that you said that. Uh, Joel, can we talk for a minute about your upcoming book? Which I mean, I'm, I'm so not excited say, about I'm, it. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> okay, let's do it because I'm so excited. <laughs> I I am too. And I can't believe I'm writing a book. I, I that's know. not anything I ever expected to do. But <laughs> but somewhere here in, in December, it's going to be out. And um, it still blows my mind, but I'm pretty excited about it. That's amazing. I love it. I love it. Another another uh, just gift of this pause and 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 the reflection. So I'm super excited about about that. Go ahead. You were gonna say? Yeah. No. No. It just um. It, it's look. I, I'll I'll be honest and show some vulnerability here. I have no idea whether it's gonna be good. And by that, I mean I I think it's good. But you know, we'll see how it's received. And I think that mm -hmm. that's. I've talked to some authors, having never written a book before. And and my editor and and you know it's like I don't you know as I was going through the process I don't know if people are going to like this or not like this and you know she was like and others have been like well that's that's pretty typical for every author you know you you have that self doubt and all mm -hmm. of that I'm not really worried about that I mean to me like if if the book is well received and it's enjoyed and it helps people great um, if it doesn't hey i'll learn from it but i mm -hmm. i feel great about the content and it is I, i'm at heart i'm a storyteller yeah and we all are to an extent by the way i mean storytelling is one of the oldest most ancient traditions or habits or you know in in the history of the world and you know i've been lucky enough to be able to tell a lot of stories in much shorter form on TV over the last 26 years. And I just knew when I started my speaking business four years ago, three and a half, four years ago, everybody said I had to write a book. And that thought was mortifying to me. I was like, what am I going to write a book about? I mean, I could write about baseball, but everybody's written about baseball. And, you know, I think I'd rather let the, you know, the, the newspaper writers and the magazine writers and all that write those books. Mm -hmm. And I could write a how-to business book, but there's a million of those out there. But what I did know that I could write about, well, I didn't know this right away, but it kind of came, it just came to me within the last year, was that I could write about these hundreds or thousands of stories that I have from my broadcasting and now my speaking and podcasting career that I think can inspire people and help people and give them a different perspective. And so it is, um, you know, it's a culture and life book. And I ask my podcast guests three baseball themed questions it's not a baseball podcast my speeches are not baseball speeches they do happen to use baseball as a teaching tool mm -hmm. uh and again effective stories are effective stories but i ask my guests what's the biggest home run you've hit in your career i'm talking about not of the baseball field what's the biggest swing and miss you've taken and the third question is what is small ball what are the little things that add up to the big things because in life in our professions we all want to hit the big home run but, you know, oftentimes it's those series of little things, which to me is culture, mm -hmm. that enable you to hit that home run or eventually lead to the home run. And 
So it just kind of came to me in the last year that that was the question that had the most interesting answers on the podcast, the most variety of answers. And so the book is small ball, big results. Wow. And it's all about the little things that add up to the big things with a, with a baseball and a business story in every chapter. So there'll be a story about don't give up from say uh, a businessman here in town that had come to the United States from Honduras when he was like 13 or 14 years old by himself and uh, landed in New York and started working for Dunkin' Donuts and climbed his way up and learned the language and, um, and, and made it into sales world. But along the way, got deported back to Honduras with a baby at home wow. and, um, and worked his way legally back to the country and is now a citizen to the baseball player that was a bust who went back to the minor leagues, changed positions, and somehow ended up being one of the, the greatest in this position of all time in a wow. path that was never expected. So it's a lot of that type of stuff, you know, everything from trust to paying attention to detail to uh, every role matters and, and all kinds of stuff like that. So excited. So excited. Yeah. So you said December, right? Which is, which is, you know, just a little so, under a month away. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's going to be, it, it'll be out by the middle of December. It'll be on Amazon. Uh, the, the actual book first. I, mm -hmm. I get through that and then there will be an audio version. I don't know that it'll be right away. But I, I feel like, you know, I, I should be able to do that with my broadcast background. Yeah, and you have so, such a great voice. Um, Come on. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. It's a face, a face for radio, but no. they keep putting me on TV. So, you know. <laughs> no, you guys will see the video. He's he's kidding. Uh, but Joel, and and what I love most is that you you were willing to put yourself, like you said in a in earlier in a in a vulnerable position to write a book, not knowing how it's going to be received, but knowing that you put your heart and soul into into the message that you want to wanted to create, and I'm sure that it's going to be very well received. But at the same time you know, making use of, of, of the abundance, if, if that's a word of, of, of time and, and, and inspiration to, to get out of your comfort zone far enough to say, you know what, I'm going to do it. because I know that I've got something that can, that can help. Yeah. And I mean, the abundance, I, I agree with everything you're saying. And then the abundance to me, and I, I guess I sort of always knew this, but I didn't fully know it was the abundance of content that I've had because, you know, and I feel like I'm leaving everything I'm on the table or off the table or however you'd want to say it. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, the, the bigger challenge with this book was what to exclude because, <laughs> you know, it's 26 years as a broadcaster. Now mm -hmm. I don't, the stuff that happened earlier in my career, I don't, it's not as clear to me because I wasn't thinking about it in terms of, Hey, this could be something that could help people or, or mm -hmm. whatever. So it's, it more of the stories are from the last 10, 12 years. And then a lot of the business stories are from the last two to three years since I went down that path mm -hmm. in terms of the speaking career and the podcast. But I, I think, and I hope, Like I always tell audiences or even, um, you know, event planners or, or um, you know, whoever HR from the organization mm -hmm. that, that's planning something that if you're hiring, if you're wanting to hire a baseball speaker, I'm 
I'm not that. I mean, if if the audience enjoys baseball, they'll enjoy every bit of this. But the greater goal is to affect, well, it's to affect everybody, but the 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 hope is that the non-baseball fans take as much from it as the baseball fans. Right. So, and that usually, that seems to happen. And so that's going to be the goal of the book too, to the point where the the cover, which just got designed is, is a picture of me in this, you know, flashy suit coat, which I feel like was sort of a um, paying homage to my grandfather, who's been gone for almost 25 years, but he, wow. I, I, I'm starting to look like him. So when I saw that picture, I'm like, <laughs> we got to put that one on the cover. But, you know, initially it was like, should I be holding a baseball? Should I be doing it? And I thought that just signals to everybody baseball book. And so there's this subtle design of a baseball behind me that if you're not looking carefully, you won't see it. Mm. Because I do use baseball as this teaching tool. And I love baseball as a teaching tool because it's unlike the other sports, not a matter of better or worse, but unlike the other sports, it's every day. And so when the season is on, it's at the minimum five days a week, the maximum seven days a week. And that's a lot more like life than the other sports, say football, where again, they work as hard, but they're preparing for one big day. Mm-hmm. And occasionally we have that one big project or that one big meeting. But for the most part, you have a good or a bad day, you go home and you got to go back and do it again tomorrow. Yes. And whatever happened the day before may not matter anymore. And and if you, you know, to use the baseball term, if you, if you struck out four times, you got to come back and do it again. Mm-hmm. And if you hit a home run four times, you got to come back and do it again. Right. So I, I love, and I didn't know this, you know, when I began my broadcasting career, but I love the teaching abilities that baseball provides. And then you just start digging up, not digging up, but you start digging in on these stories and start hearing about, I'll just share this one um, guy named Raul Abanez lives, lives down your way in Miami and mm-hmm. um, played multiple times for the Kansas city Royals. And they brought him back in 2014 and he really didn't play a whole lot. He was 40, 42 years old at that point. He was more mm-hmm. the, um, you know, inspirational leader, mm-hmm. but the chapter with him was really about like, when's the right time to speak up? When's the right time to hold a meeting? When is the right time to, to get in front of people and impact them? in a way that they're going to listen and that they trust you. And he was able to do that here three weeks, four weeks after he arrived. And they listened because he was so respected. But I started digging into his background. And here's a guy, because you start asking, like, how did you become this? Mm-hmm. What, you know, where did you learn it from? Well, I learned it from my parents. Well, tell me more about your parents. Well, my parents, you know, were living in Cuba. And my dad was a um, uh, chemist. And my mom was an accountant and they were very successful. And back in the, and I didn't know this, uh, and maybe you did, but back in the late sixties, you could buy your way out of Cuba as Mm -hmm. Raul told me, if you put in work for the government, essentially, if you, if you gave them what I guess they deem the right amount of service or pay, Mm -hmm. uh, then they'd let you go versus the defections that we, you know, would see over the years after. And so Raul's dad gave up a career as a chemist to cut sugarcane in the fields. You hit the fields. That's and what you did. <laughs> in the fields. Yeah. So here's this, I'm guessing, brilliant man that basically said, look, I'll sacrifice 
for this country to get my family where I want to go. Mm -hmm. And they end up in New York, his mom, his dad, his two brothers, and then his mom was pregnant with him. So this is 1972. So he's born in the Bronx, New York, 40 years before he would hit a pinch hit home run in the ninth inning of a playoff game for the Yankees, pinch hitting for his friend, Alex Rodriguez, A-Rod, to tie the game and send it to extra innings against the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, His dad was never alive to see it. His dad passed away uh, a couple months before he was drafted out of Miami-Dade Community College. And he wasn't going to take the deal from Seattle Mariners. They weren't offering him any money, maybe like 15 grand or something. But he said, I was so, every day my mom was so heartbroken over my dad's death and she was just crying and so upset. He's like, I took, I basically took the contract because I wanted her to stop crying. And, um, and he ends up going on and and having a career till 42 years old. Um, you know, in, in Major League Baseball, hitting 20 plus home runs a year and, wow. and being one of the most respected bilingual guys in any clubhouse. So that's just a little taste of of the book and, and trying to pull lessons from those stories. I love it. And I'm all goosebumpy over here, Joel, because it's it, a goosebumpy type of story. It is. It is. So I so I can see. And that's why I'm saying that I that I that I have so much so much confidence in the fact that it's going to be well received, even for you know, baseball or not baseball, that's a hell of a story of, of persistence and determination and, and even destiny. So many things that play into that, but, um, but that's, that sounds like there's just a lot, a lot of nuggets in there, Joel. So congratulations. I'm super excited. And um, I am too. I am too. And, and, you know, just real quick, I mean, you, this is what I like about you. I I mean, and we don't know each other that well yet, but Mm -hmm you get my mind thinking. And so, you know, as you were saying all that, and I was thinking about, like, I've heard these stories, told these stories, or I'm learning new versions of these stories Mm -hmm. as as I'm writing the book, but I've I've told them in some form or another to an audience many, many times. And as a guy that as a kid loved to be the one to go into school and tell everybody and drove the teachers crazy what happened in last (laughs) night's game. I mean, I was like, you know, this was going to be my career path. I, I wanted to be on TV forever. That, I have this ability with this book, hopefully, to tell these stories to people that I may never even meet. Yeah. You know, and so that's that's very humbling and very exciting to yeah. me to think about as you're talking about getting goosebumps and 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 the storytelling part of it is that wow, people like again, I you know, you know this as a speaker too. Like you, you hope to get in front of a room and and to help change people's lives or motivate them and make them better at what they do. Um, and, and, you know, you sort of do the whole, well, if, if one person walks out, mm-hmm. then I've done my job. And I, I believe that, I, right. I mean, like what a, what a privilege to be able to potentially affect one person's life. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if they talk about a book or all these other services and things that people like you and I do, and, you know, they talk about, Hey, try to make money when you're sleeping. And, you know, a book could do that, right? Like you wake up in the morning, mm-hmm. I assume and they're like, Whoa, somebody bought my book. That, yeah. Cool. Yeah. But Think of I, I, I'm thinking about this as we're talking about it in a way of like, I might actually help somebody's life while I'm sleeping. Yeah, yeah. you know, and that that's a really powerful thing. Yeah, and that and 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 just from what I know about you, Joel, you're so you're so much more uh, impact, bottom line driven than the money. That the money always comes, right? It comes, but but yeah. that 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 impact focus of, I mean. 
when you think about that one person's life who's going to change, that's a generational shift forever. And, and, and the fact that, that we get to even participate in something like that is still blows my brain. It blows my mind yeah. every day. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and I, and, and I love that, that when you put it down on something that is as evergreen as a book, you just don't know. You don't know. Like yeah. Zig Ziglar, yeah. maybe didn't know, like Napoleon Hill didn't know. And how many millions of people have been affected right. and impacted right. by, by that writing. Yeah. And then I think, and I, I'm sure we're on the same page here. It's like, if you can, so you said the money comes later. And I, mm -hmm. I, I understand that, that sometimes the money needs to come now for some people, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that can really mess with our habits and the way we go about things because when you're money driven and we all are to an extent, right? right? Absolutely. Uh, when, I mean, and, well, and we should be, yeah. You want to provide for your family and for mm -hmm. your future and for your security and, and, and to be able to make an impact even beyond your family and, and all that. But I think that, and this isn't a blind faith thing, but I think that when you go about practices the right way and do things the right way and don't take shortcuts and, mm -hmm. That's that whole, it's not a blind faith statement to say the money comes later. The money comes later as a reward for what you're doing when you do it the doing. right way. Yeah. And yes, you have to catch some luck along the way. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, there's never been a TV job that's just been handed to me. And I had to really work extra hard to get those. And so, you know, nothing comes easy in life. If it comes mm -hmm. easy, it's probably not that important or not that Or not going to be around very so, yeah. <laughs> We're not going to be around very long. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there, there are a lot of lessons with this and, and I have no idea how it's going to go, but I, I'll say this, I'm not going to operate in a way of what makes me the most money or what's the shortcut, but look, I'd like to get on a bestseller list or I'd like to mm -hmm. put myself in the right categories and strategize. Of course, I want to strategize the, the best way to let people know about this book, but mm -hmm. I'm not going to do this. This is not meant to be a money maker. This is mm -hmm. not meant to. It's just it's the next step in my career and my business, and um, and we'll see how it goes. But I'm excited about it, and it's been a lot of work. Uh, it still doesn't really quite add up to me that I'm writing a book, but here we are. <laughs> That's amazing, and they will call it luck without you know looking at at all the hours. You know that the what's in the iceberg below sea level, which we don't see. And and then they'll say, oh, look how lucky this I, this iceberg is popping out of the out of the sea. So so Joel, I'm so grateful for you. I I cannot wait for the book. Tell us where we can and 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 y'all, if you want to hear a great podcast, rounding the bases is Joel's podcast. Um, look it up. Look up Joel. Joel, how can how can our audience find you so they can follow you and keep tabs on yeah. what you're doing? So I'm all over the place on social media. And, you know, depending on what you're looking to follow too, uh, certainly from a business standpoint, LinkedIn is a great way. And mm -hmm. if you type in Joel Goldberg or Joel Goldberg speaker, you'll find me. Uh, you know, my Twitter is more of a baseball thing. That doesn't mean it's all baseball. Um, Instagram, a little bit of that stuff. But the website is joelgoldbergmedia.com, joelgoldbergmedia.com. And so that'll, that'll always have all the information in reaching out to me. But, you know, I accept every LinkedIn um connection to mm -hmm. and then i only delete them when the 
when it's followed by a message asking me for my business because three, three uh, that's good. yeah i <laughs> mean it's the like, lead generation can help <laughs> right like wait a minute um we don't even know each other yet um yeah. okay i see where this is going it's everything mm-hmm. we just talked about yes um yes. but but i'm i'm all over social media and then if people just want to listen to the podcast um there is a video version too which which i'm going to get bird on at some point i actually had to switch a time on her you you mm-hmm. were supposed to be on mine first mm-hmm. um but all those end up on itunes and so if you just go to itunes spotify wherever you listen to your podcasts and just put in rounding the bases it'll be there i love it i love it and and great website by the way joel i didn't tell you i was Thank i was you. on it a, a some time ago and really really great comprehensive everything you need to know is there and it'll take you to everywhere else. So Joel, again, I am so grateful for you. I pray that you have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. I can't believe it's around the corner, but, um, but, but thank you for putting yourself in that, in that space of, of being a stand for, for what we all need now and, and doing it in a way that, that your the impact is, is felt and is there. Well, I thank you. And you know, I think you and I hit it off when we first met immediately, but I have this sense, and this is maybe why we're so similar too, that I think you hit it off with everyone. And and I think I try to hit it off with everybody. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I, I think I, I find a lot of, uh, a lot of commonality in, in beliefs and beliefs in people. Yeah. And, and so I think that's why we were able to connect as easily as we were. And I said it at the top of the podcast, it's, I love doing uh, an episode or a podcast like this where where there's a similar energy. So thank you for for having me on, Berta, and thanks for for all of your support from someone that you know we don't know each other that well yeah, yet. And yeah. uh, but I feel like I know you. I feel yeah. like I have known you longer than I know you. If that makes the, sense. Yes, I I love when that happens. And when you're down here, as soon as you can travel, Versailles, we're we're hitting it. Oh, please. So. <laughs> there's no there, the, the the diet goes out the window. That's, that's it. it. No, and I'm just... going to tell you this. I'll wrap. I'll 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 wrap it up with this. I mm-hmm. have come to learn, you know, with a last name like Goldberg, um, you know, I was raised, you know, Jewish moms overfeed their kids, and you know that there's like this built-in. It, it's a sin to ever be to not have enough food, so they overcook and then give you the guilt trip of not eating it all. And I, I think that the Cuban way is the same because when I've gone to Versailles before and, you know, Eric Hosmer, who was a longtime Royal is his, his mom was born in Cuba. And so his uncle will always take me to Versailles and he'll order like 25 things and be like, here, just try everything. I'm like, but I, I don't need one thing. No, 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 no. Try this. Try no, this. Try yeah. this. Okay. okay we're done. Okay. Let's get to the dessert now. Try this. Try yes. this. Try this. So I, I have the sneaking suspicion that the Cuban way is similar. That's, that's it. That's how, that's how we roll. I love it. I, I love it's it. It's a good thing. Thank you, Joel. Thank you so much again for making the time. I know it's a busy time. So folks, you heard it here. Follow Joel. I'm going to put all his information when we post the podcast, but Um, I told you, I told you what I told you at the beginning, that you were going to fall in love with him. So thank you again, Joel. Everyone go out there and do good and be great and go play outside. Bye.